Um, appreciate the singing this morning and the testimony, Brother Arthur. And God is a good God. Amen. Uh, if you got your Bible this morning, we're going to be in Genesis chapter number twenty. Uh, as you turn there, let me uh, let you know that it's important that you be in the ladies' meeting next week, as they'll be going over the homecoming meal. So uh, that way they'll be setting the table of what we're going to eat and all that good stuff. So if you if you can't be there, uh, let us know ahead of time. That way we can. We can plan for that. Genesis chapter number 20. Uh, it's a good day to be in the Lord's house. Amen. I'm excited uh, to see you here with us this morning and been praying this week. And uh, God has laid this message on our hearts. And I know that it's going to be a help to someone today. Um, as you turn there, most of you have heard uh, of Babe Ruth. He was a famous baseball player who was exceptional at hitting home runs. Uh, the crowds, they would cheer as Babe Ruth was coming up to the plate to bat. Uh, they would shout his name. They would scream, you're the greatest, you're the best. Uh, they would uh, point for the home run. They knew if Babe Ruth hit the ball, it was gone. Uh, he played for years. Babe Ruth had a cigar and a, a, and a drinking habit. And soon his skills began to die. Uh, and he wasn't hitting home runs the way he used to. As a matter of fact, he was striking out more than he was hitting the ball at all. Uh, the same crowds that once cheered as he come up to the plate to bat, was now the crowd that was booing him as he came to the plate. Uh, the crowds that once applauded him when he was successful was now rejecting him when he was failing. Years ago, I, when I re received the call into ministry from the Lord, I can recall a dear friend in the Lord telling me this. He said, Preacher, you be careful of those who meet you at the train tracks, for they'll be the first one to also pack your bags. Meaning, sometimes those who applaud you the loudest will also be the first ones to boo you the loudest too. In today's world, we are quick to judge those whom we see as being a failure. We are quick to judge when someone's success level does not meet what we may expect from them. In other words, uh, we sometimes have an expectations on a person's life, and when they fall short of what we see as success, we are the ones that sometimes want to boo them on their striking out. But how does God respond to failures? How does God react when we fall and fail? How will God look at us when we fail? 
a lot more than we succeed in our Christian walk with the Lord. These are important questions that I want you to ponder this morning because we all will have times where we fail and fall short of the glory of God. There's not a man, woman, boy, or girl in this place or listening to me, whatever way you hear me today, that you're going to walk a perfect life and never mess up and never fall short uh, and never find yourself on a pity pot uh, or never find yourself uh, in a place uh, uh, to where you've just fallen and made a mess of something. We all fall short of the glory of God. Sometimes we have repeated moral failures. Sometimes our faith doesn't stand the test of time. Sometimes we fall and sometimes we fail to live up to our calling from God. And sometimes it's just what others expect we fall short of their thinking. But how does God respond? This question can be answered because here in the 20th chapter of the book of Genesis, God shows us just how he responds to our failures and our faults. This morning, uh, we are studying the life of Abraham Steele and the father of faith, uh, a man known for being a friend of God, a mighty man of God, God's prophet a man of faith, a man of promise, a man of commitment, a man that fails, not once, not twice, not three times, but several times he fails God. A man that fails in the same sin multiple times. If you've got your Bible, I'm going to ask you to stand with us and reverence God this morning. We're going to look at chapter number 20. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. Notice with me what God says here in His Word. The Word of God is good this morning. I believe it's going to help you. It says, And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt uh, between Kadesh and Sur and stayed in Gur. Now Abraham, Abraham said of Sarah, his wife. Notice what it says again. She is my sister. If you remember this in chapter number 12, we've already been here one time. And Amalek, king of Gur, sent and took her. But God came to Amalek in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man. Because of the woman whom you have taken, she is a man's wife. Let me say this real clear this morning. God takes adultery very seriously. He takes that, uh, uh, that he, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because it's the act of committing yourself. God takes people's commitment serious. And you don't want to play with the commitment of God. And God says, hey, king, I want you to know this. You're a dead man. Because this is a man's wife. Let's keep reading. 
But Amalek he had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she's my sister? And she even, uh, she herself said, he is my brother. In other words, Abraham done made his wife lie too. Now, when we get to the New Testament, we'll find some folks lying and they get called out by the apostles over an offering and God drops them dead. We're not going to go there right now, but that's coming in the future. He says, he said she was my brother in the integrity of my heart. Verse five and innocence of my hands. I have done this. In other words, he said, I didn't know. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did, you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. God said this. He said, I know what I know what I know. And it's because of me that I didn't let you touch her. In other words, God's saying right here, I'm giving you an opportunity to do what's right. Mm. I'm giving you an opportunity to do what's right because if you do not listen to the, the, the words that I'm telling you, if you do not heed what I'm trying to communicate you, there's going to be repercussions. There's going to be death. Verse number seven. And therefore, he says, restore the man's wife for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you shall live. Now, does anybody else find that right there interesting? Restore the man's wife, and he's going to pray for you. He's the one that got me in this mess. Them two's the one that done lied and got me here, God. But he's my man. Mm, boy. But he's my man. He's, he's my prophet. He's going to pray for you, and you're going to live. But here's the warning again. But if you do not restore her, know this, that you shall surely die, you and all yours. Once again, God said, not only am I taking you out, but all of yours is going to. In other words, everybody you coming in contact with, it's going to be on your hands. So Amalek rose early in the morning. He called all his servants and told all things in, in, their, in their hearing. And the men were very much afraid. And Amalek called Abram, Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you that you have brought, brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to be done. Then Amalek said to Abraham, what did you have in view that you have done this thing? Abraham said, because I thought surely there, the, the fear of God is not in this place and they will kill me on the account of my wife. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today. 
And Father, I pray today as we've soaked and read this word and let it meditated on it this week and let it minister to us now, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just speak through me today. God, I pray that you would get the flesh behind me. God, I pray, Lord, that you would get the emotions behind me. And Lord, help me to speak as you've Minister to my heart this week on this subject. God, I pray today that you would help someone. Touch a heart, God. Change a life. And for whatever you do, God, we'll give you glory and praise for it. In the name of Jesus, we do humbly pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. You be seated in the presence of God today. Thank God that failure is not final. Thank God that failure is not final. This uh, acquaintance here, this occurrence, this, this time with Amalek makes Abram, uh, Abraham a repeat offender. You see, Abraham has been in this situation before. As a matter of fact, he has failed God before with this very same scenario. In this story, we see that Abraham, once again, he, he, he disgusts the Lord because he has a fear that God is not going to protect him. And because he has this great fear that God is not going to protect him, he once again wraps himself in the flesh and does exactly what the flesh knows how to do. And the flesh knows how to do things that despise God. In other words, uh, he, he begins to, to, to come up with this lie that's been in the back of his mind since day one about Sarah being his sister. He does this for one reason. Fear has set in his heart. He wants to protect himself. And this is despite the fact that Abraham has already committed this same sin. You see, when he was in Egypt and he had been rebuked, and then he returned to the promised land in repentance. You can find all of that in Genesis chapter number 12. We preached on that several, several weeks ago. But he's been here before with a place of fear in his life. And yet, over and over, God has intervened and God has protected and God has used and, and God's made a way when there was no other way. And I believe this morning that I'm preaching to some folks that, that God has made a way in your life when there seemed to be no way. I believe that God has made, and I know that God has made a way in my life when, when there was no other way, there was the hand of the living God that intervened and helped and showed and guided and done all sorts of mighty things. But maybe there's one that hears me this morning that's found themselves in Abraham's situation. Abraham lets the fear take control and he finds an escape route. That route is lying. 
Now, perhaps you can identify with Abraham because of some of the struggles that you've been struggling with. Maybe there's some failures that keep turning up in your own life, even after a long time. And, and boy, you've, 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 you've prayed and you've believed and you've rebuked and you've repented. But for some reason, there seems to be this thing that continues to come back. It continues to draw you back. And you may go a, a span and never touch it, but then all of a sudden, it seems like all hell is on you and you find yourself like Abraham in a place where you don't know what to do and you let your guard down and you begin to turn back toward things of the flesh. When you're in a situation like this, you may wonder, how's God going to respond to me? You may doubt God's love for you. You may expect uh, for the game to be over. You may expect to be kicked off the team because of your spiritual failures. I've got good news from heaven for you today because on this account uh, uh, we can see uh, that just because we fail from time to time, uh, failure is not final. Let me preach here for just a moment and I'm going to let you go. I'm glad this morning that on my spiritual journey with Jesus, every time that I've messed up, every time that I've slipped up, every time that I've stumbled, every time my mouth got in the way, every time temptation won the battle, every time sin slipped in, every time I got lazy, boy, I'm glad this morning that He did not throw the clay away. He did not give up. He did not quit. He didn't say that I'm done working with you. He didn't say I give up. He didn't say you're never going to amount to anything. But Instead, every time I fell down, he pulled me real close. And he wrapped his Holy Ghost arms around me. And he began to squeeze my heart. And he reminded me, just because you fell today, it doesn't mean it's over. Thank God he's still in control and he has the last word. You see, if you're here this morning and God's forgiving you multiple times... You should go ahead and give him a little praise because the devil, understand me this morning. The devil sent that temptation in your life to kill you. But Jesus said, inside of me is life. The devil sent the heartache in your life uh, because he thought it would take you out. Uh, but Jesus said, he's the great comforter. The devil sent that fear into your life uh, so that he could back you up. Uh, but I'm glad today that Jesus said, you don't have to be afraid. The devil sent trials in your life uh, and he done it to stop you. Uh, but Jesus Jesus said, I can do all things through Christ, uh, which is my strength. Uh, somebody uh, needs to get excited because failure is not final. You need to tell the devil that just because I failed today, boy, I'm glad Jesus is still here. You see, watch this. The devil may have put you in a bad relationship. The devil may have put you in an abusive relationship. The devil may have caused your place of worship to split. 
The devil may have caused your family to bust up. The devil may have caused your marriage to split up. The devil may have caused your child to get hooked on dope. The devil may have derailed you for a season or two. The devil may have derailed you and took your eyes off of God for just a little while. I, I may have failed for a season or two. I may have been knocked out of the race for a minute or two. I may have lost a battle or two. But understand this morning, you are to thank God because you're still here. I've read the back of the book, my friends. I know who's going to win the war. We may lose a battle here and there, but God is still in control. You're on the winning side. Because when, when my Savior, when God's Son, when He shed His blood on the cross... It provided you the victory. It provided you the conquering power. You see, when he shed his blood on Calvary, hell lost its keys and sin was dealt with once and for all. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke the devil today. Now listen, I want to say this because some people will try to take this out of context. It does not give you a license to live any way you want to live. It does not give you a license to live in open sin. That does not give you a license to live in hidden sin. That does not give you a license to walk around and say whatever you want to say, to do whatever. And let me go ahead and say this while I'm here, because I, I just feel like it needs to be said. If you are a born-again child of God, you won't want to live like that. If you're a born-again child of God, when you fall into those places and you will fall, you'll be ready to get back out. You won't stay in it. You won't wallow in it. You'll get up and run back toward Jesus because the Holy Ghost won't let you stay there comfortably. All this license to sin junk. The problem is half the people ain't saved to begin with. And, I, 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 and let me be on record for saying it. Half of them ain't saved to begin with. If you'd get your heart right with God, you'd, you'd want to be in the house of God. You'd want to serve God. You wouldn't want to go here and go there and do that. You'd want to be faithful to the Lord Jesus. I've seen God do some work in some people. They used to live hellish lives. Boy, I was one of them. I used to live a hellish life. But when I got right with God, all of that changed. I didn't go back and dibble-dabble. There was times I fell, and I'm preaching on failing today. There was times I fell, and there was times I went back, and there was times that I used one more time. There was times that I, I found myself in a place where I lost the game. But understand, when I did, God was there with me and picked me back up. I said this the other week and I want to say it again. You don't drown because you fall in water. You drown because you quit swimming. Now look with me this morning real quickly and I'm done. 
look how God responds with Abram, Abraham here in our text today. He does this in four ways. He responds first when we fail, God still forgives. Second, when we fail, God still protects. Third, when we fail, God still blesses. And fourth, when we fail, God still uses. Look at verses 1 and 2. Now, we, we, we don't know why Abraham moved from where he was at. The Bible doesn't tell us why he changes locations. But there is, there is no hint from scriptures that, that he had done done so out of any wrong motives. In other words, there is no hint from the scripture that uh, he was looking to fall into this place. That's not it. But we, we do know that this city is on the border or just outside of the promised land. So we, we don't understand what he was thinking or what was going on in his life and we really don't know. We can speculate all day long. And that's what a lot of Pharisees do today, by, by the way. They speculate every time something goes wrong in somebody's life. They speculate. They don't know the problem, but they'll tell you what they think the problem is. Half of, and that's where gossip starts, by the way, by our speculations of telling people things we really don't know nothing about. At least I got, I got two amens out of that. The rest of y'all have never been talked about before. We don't know why he left, but he does leave. And he's outside of the promised land and he's, he's in an area that's ruled by this powerful king, Ambilek. And in other words, the, the, these are very similar circumstances to when Abraham failed God before. This is where temptation has come to alert in his life. This is a lesson that you and I have to learn. You, you need to always be alert for sin, but especially be diligent when you know you're in a situation where you're more likely to fail. In other words, don't set yourself up for disaster. If you know that you got a problem with this, the best thing to do is to run the other way. Don't run to it. You say, preacher, I believe in a God that can protect me. God will protect you, but I'm not going to go lay down in the middle of the road either. God says, don't tempt me. And sometimes we put ourselves in places we don't need to be. I don't know why Abraham left, but he did. And he finds himself in a mess. Abraham fails, spiritually speaking. Because once again, this thing of fear begins to dictate his actions. And he becomes very deceitful. And he says, this is my sister Sarah. He does this so that he won't be killed by this powerful king. Because Sarah, obviously, even in her elderly age... Uh, there's something about her that has a drawing power to men. Uh, men are drawn to her. And Emelech I, 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 decided that he's going to take her as his wife. This may have been a personal desire 
This may have been a, a, a political reason. This may have been anything. But whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, the Bible tells us this. Abraham left where he was at. He goes to this land. And now uh, this king is going to take Sarah to be his wife. So number one, if you're taking notes with me, I want you to know this. When we fail, God still forgives. Now, this is not stated in the text. Even though it is in many other references, whatever the scenario, we know that Abraham is forgiven because of the way God responds to Abraham in the rest of the story. You see, God protects him and then blesses him with material goods from Amalek. And then God has Abraham pray for Amalek's family to be healed. Uh, These acts, uh, these all uh, strongly tell us that Abraham was forgiven and that his relationship with God was completely restored. Uh, Can I say that this is good news for you and I? I'm glad this morning that God's grace is sufficient uh, to forgive all my failures, uh, even when I fall short more than one time, even when I'm not hitting home runs the way I used to, I'm glad that His mercy is rich. I'm glad His grace is unlimited. I'm glad His patience is unlimited toward His people. He's always ready to forgive and restore a relationship. He forgives us when we fail. But now look at this. Look at number two. When we fail, God still protects us as well. He still protects us. Sometimes we may think that our disobedience means that we have forfeited God's promises and protection. Sometimes we think we blew it and therefore we are on our own is our way of thinking. Maybe we've disobeyed God's word and about our finances and and, and therefore we find ourselves in a mess. We think that our failure is is to fully obey God's... uh, Our failure to fully obey God is somehow removed God's hands of blessing and protection and God's no longer going to deliver us. Perhaps we think that we've disobeyed God by by lying and it's led uh, 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 us to a, a heap of trouble. And we think that God will no longer help us out because we've got all this sin that's built up Uh, and can I say this morning that's simply not true God is a gracious God who still protects us despite of our sins Uh, uh, my friend I should have been knocked out of the race a long time ago but God was there with me when my life was in a wreck Uh, I should have been knocked out a long time ago but God stood by me in the darkness of the night Uh, as some of you this morning should have been taken out a long time ago, but the grace and the mercy of God was there. Even in your failure this morning, God still protects. He's a good God. Now, once again, this should not be interpreted to mean that there's no consequences. Because this morning, let me go ahead and 
lay this out here. There is a consequence for every action. There is a consequence for disobeying God. There is a consequence. When Lily disobeys, there's a consequence. But that don't mean her daddy don't love her. That don't mean that after she gets her little behind spanked and she's a weeping, that daddy don't come over there and say, Honey, I had to do it, but I love you. You see, there's a lot of folks out there today and you may be here this morning. You may be listening this morning and you've fallen short of the glory of God and you failed Him and the devil has slipped in and all of a sudden you think that God no longer cares about you. But can I tell you this morning that He'll still protect you. He still loves you. He'll still forgive you. Don't let the devil tell you that lie. Don't let the devil slide in your mind and tell you that He no longer cares for you. That He's going to push you to the curb because that's not God that's what a Pharisee would do and I know some church people that would do that but that's not who God is God will slide back up close to you and pull you closer I'm glad to know that I serve a God uh, that when I'm about to fall he lets me know and when I do fall he picks me back up What do you mean, preacher? King David and Bathsheba had a a fling there. As a matter of fact, David had him murdered. If God was going to throw anybody under the bus, I thought it would have been him. Look at verses 3 through 7. I want you to see this intervention here in the next few verses. God came to Amalek in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Amalek had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she's my sister, even, and she said, he's my brother, and the integrity of my heart, and the innocence of my hands, I've done this. And God said to him, in a dream, yes, I know. I know you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you, withheld you from sinning against me, therefore I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet." God's revelation to Amalek in the dream makes very clear that that God is very serious about purity. He's serious about adultery. He's serious about fornication. And that's something that we've, that we, for the last, for the life of me, we've, we've kind of taken that out of the context of preaching for some reason. We don't talk about it in church the way we should. But God takes these things very, very, very serious. As a matter of fact, I think we need to have a little discussion about it. That God takes all of this very serious. It's not a laughing matter. It's not a small matter. Our society today, 
may pump it up in the media. Our society today may may say, well, it's real easy to get a divorce. Uh, It's real easy to do. Just follow this. Just follow that. Just do whatever you want to do. But understand me today. uh, A relationship, a sexual relationship outside of marriage, uh, it's still wrong in the eyes of God. Uh, I don't care what show you watch that says it's okay. It's not okay. Unfaithfulness to your spouse, uh, it's still wrong in the eyes of God. Uh, I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what Dr. Fields says. It's still wrong. I was I was counseling a couple one time. And they said this to me and Daryl. They said, well, so-and-so told us that we probably need to live together a little while to see if we're compatible before we get married. I said, well, Jesus said, if you love her and he loves you, you ought to get married. You ought to make this commitment to one another. In other words, you don't get to try it out first. You don't get to try and see if I like it. If you, lo- if you love them and, and you give your heart to them, you, give, you don't try. But the problem is this. There's too many cows giving out milk. And why would you buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? I know that's not pretty this morning. But that is the God's honest truth. Look what he said here. Now Amalek had not gone near her. Had not gone near her. Which means he had had no relations with her. So technically speaking, he had not committed adultery yet. It was on his mind, but he hadn't got to that stage yet. So Amalek, he appeals to the justice of God and says, Hey, will you destroy an innocent nation? Here we, we, we see very clearly... That Amalek understood that the sins of the leader of the nation have a great impact on the people that's being led. Let me say that again. The sins of the leader will fall on the people. In other words, when, when, when we install leadership here at the church, you've got to understand... That's why we have to pray over these things because when, when, and we got to make sure we got to examine the lives of people because when you, when you put somebody in a leadership position, I ain't getting no help this morning. When you put somebody in a leadership position and the people they are leading, when they fall, it hurts the entire body. I think we've seen this before. In many churches, in this church, in other churches, when a, when, when a person of leadership falls, it puts a sour taste in the rest of everybody else. Amalek understood that. And he said, will, a, will, a, will the entire nation be dealt with because of what's going on? In other words, they're not guilty of sin. And God, being a just God, only judges in fairness. We saw that in Genesis 19, the story of Sodom. We know 
that God's judgment is a just judgment. The main thing that I want you to see here is, is God intervened to keep the promise to Abraham from being ruined. That's the main thing I want you to see. I, I, got, I, I chased some rabbits there, but that's okay. Abraham, just like you and I, he does, he does not deserve this, but God in His mercy, He protects him even when he falls short of obeying Him. God gets us out of messes we create with our own disobedience. Can I say thank you, Lord, that when I make a mess in my life, I'm glad I serve a God that will reach down in the clay and get me back out. Verse 7 is very interesting. I, I can't get my mind off of that. He says, this is my prophet. This is the man of God. I said that to say this. I'm not too big to get knocked off my pedestal. Matter of fact, don't put me on one. I prefer to stay even on the ground. Don't put me on a pedestal. That's just a further place to fall from. God still protects. Verses 8 through 13 there, we find that Amalek and his people have the opposite reaction that Abraham would have expected. Amalek, his obedience is prompt, and the Bible says that they were very much afraid. In other words, they had the fear of God, even though uh, Abraham disobeyed God because he believed that surely there was no fear of God in the place. It tells me something else. The reason for Abraham's disobedience, the reason that he distrusted uh, uh, God, it was completely unnecessary. Most of the things that you and I fear today are completely unnecessary. God had been watching Abraham all along. Abraham's response to Amalek demonstrates that it's only because of God's grace and mercy that Abraham or any of us is chosen by God. Abraham does not confess his sin, but hardly in a forthcoming, wholehearted, repentant manner. He basically, he tries to justify his sin by saying that, that, that Sarah is really his sister and the situation of wandering and estranged, like all this. He tries to cover it up with a white lie. These verses tell us something, though. That God does not treat us as we deserve. In fact, God responds to our failures with great grace. He forgives us. He protects us. But lastly, or thirdly, I want to see this. He blesses us. You see, look at verses 14 through 16. I didn't read that far down. The Bible says, Then Amalek took sheep, oxen, male, female servants, gave them to Abraham. He restored Sarah to his wife, uh, to him. And Amalek said, See, my land is before you. Dwell here as you please. And then to Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all... <laughs> I think that's comical. Before all who are with you, and therefore everybody, thus she was rebuked. 
God still blesses us. You see, who sinned here? Abraham. It started with Abraham. Yet it is Abraham who was blessed by God through Amalek with cattle, with sheep, with, with servants, open land, money. This makes sense only in the light of God's mercy and grace. God still blesses despite of ourself. I can, uh, I can tell you this morning, and this has been true in my own life, that even when I have failed and I have struggled, God has still heard my prayers. Uh, he still uh, provided for me. He still healed me. He still blessed me. And He still helped me. His presence was there with me. Some people may tell you that, oh, if you make a mistake, God's done with you. But I'm here to tell you that He's not. Now, there's been times in my life where I thought in my young years walking with God that my failure would strike me out, that my failure would knock me out of the line. But I want to tell you why. Sometimes if we're not careful, church, sometimes if we're not careful... We get on this, the more I do, the more God's going to love me scenario. And I just come by here to tell somebody this morning, you can't, it's no matter what you do, He's going to love you the same. His love doesn't waver. His care for you doesn't waver. He doesn't care for you a lot when you're doing a lot and care for you little when you're doing little. God's love is an everlasting love. People today, will there's not a person on this earth that will ever die and go to hell unloved. People will die and go to hell because they're unsaved. God will love them until the last breath is taken from their lungs. God still blesses. So Abraham prayed in verse 17. And God healed Amalek, his wife and his female servants. Then they bore children. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Amalek because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Sometimes when I've really blown it, I begin to think, boy, I bet it's over for me. God's never going to use me again. Sometimes I begin to think I'll be like Samson and I'll lose every bit of anointing that I've ever had. But I have found this. When we are a truly repentant person, God is truly a merciful God. Not only in forgiving us, but continuing to use us for His purpose. And we see this right here in the life of Abraham.
This is what I want you to see. If you miss this part right here, you've missed the whole message because I, I'm done after this. When you get down to verse 17 of this chapter here, when it says that Abraham prayed to God and God healed Amalek's wife, go back to verse number 7 now. Go back to verse number 7. Look with me, verse number 7. This is a teachable moment. He says there in verse number 7, Therefore restore his wife, he's a prophet, and he will pray for you and you shall live. But if you don't, there was a problem in the nation before Abram got there. There was a problem in the nation before Abram got there. What was the problem in the nation, preacher? Amalek's wife couldn't have kids. Now the text doesn't say this, say that Abraham went there because of that. But there was a problem before Abraham got there. The wombs were shut up. And Abraham goes there and he fails. He falls short. But healing still comes to the land. Let me close with this. You may be here this morning. And maybe this week wasn't your best week. You may be here this morning and maybe there's been some areas of your life that you've been struggling with and maybe and just maybe and just maybe there's been some failures on your behalf. Maybe you've just slipped up and you've made a mess. This is what I want to tell you. Don't run from God. Run to Him. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you know somebody that slipped up. Maybe you're sitting here and that person is going through your mind right now. Won't you do me a favor this morning? Won't you run to God for that person instead of stepping on that person's back? Maybe you know a person that's in sin this morning and you... Let me, let me, let me. I say this with a broken heart. The body of Christ has to build one another up. We can't, when a brother or a sister is in sin, we can't just merely laugh it off and say, Hi, well, eh. If we're truly children of God, and God is in our lives and in our hearts, it ought to break us just as much as it breaks anybody when a brother or sister walks away from the faith. Now let me clarify this before I'm done. I think we all know where the preacher stands and where our church doctrine stands on salvation and all of this. So I'm not going to go in there. 
what I want you to know is simply what this text reads this morning. Abraham messed up. God still forgave him. God still used him. Abraham messed up and God still protected him. God's protective hand did not leave him. Abraham messed up and God still blessed him. God still blessed him. As simply, well, I don't want you to take none of that out of context, but I simply want to show you failure's not final. Failures are not final. Just because you failed, failed before doesn't mean God doesn't love you. Just because you've fallen short does not mean that God's not there for you. I'm so sick and tired of arrogant people pretending like they've never made a mistake in their life and they get behind their little stands with their shiny shoes and they say they've never fallen. And they're telling a bold-faced lies. They've fallen short just like everybody else has. Honey, you coming? You gonna come sing this, this morning? She's gonna come sing. We're gonna pray. We're gonna open up these altars. You stand with us. Listen, church, whatever devil may have sent in your life, it's meant to stop you. It's meant to kill you. It's meant to make you run the other way. Don't let him win. Don't let the devil win. You, you run to Jesus. Preacher, everybody's going to know what I've done. I don't, it doesn't matter what everybody knows or don't know. Because if we all opened up our closet, there'd be a few things that we don't want nobody to know. Can I get an amen? Somebody would be honest this morning and say there's things in my closet I hope nobody finds out. Don't run from God. Run to Him. Father in heaven, God, I love you. And God, I've, I've, I've preached what you've given me and I don't know who it was for, what it was for. It may have just been for me, God. Because there's times in my life, Lord, where I look and I say, why in the world did I do that? Why in the world did I say that? But God, I know from a broken heart, this preacher has just got things on his mind people on his mind and God my heart breaks for him and Lord I know you're not done with them and I know you still can restore and I know you can bring back what's been lost and God I just pray today that if there's any way I pray today for our church and our nation that the Holy Ghost that the Holy Ghost of God would just, would just move 
in such a magnificent way that hearts and minds would be committed and brought back to you, that we'd be restored. People would come back to know you. God bless our church. Bless our people today. In the name of Jesus, we do humbly pray. Amen and amen. You got a need this morning, you come. Presence, there is joy.
Oh.